Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. Okay, y'all, if you saw last, happy post-conference, by the way. Oh, I guess it's been two. Did we have one last week? I can't remember. Well, yes. it's still, it's residual. We're just, this is the first one we filmed after conference, so. And it was a good conference. Yeah, it really was. Oh, so good. I know. One thing I love doing, y'all might want to try this, is in your families or among friends or, or whatever in your group texts, is it's kind of cool to think about if there was one word you would pick as kind of the theme word for the whole conference, because... Like either it's what's like impressed upon your mind that you like picked out because you needed to hear it or maybe impressed upon several of the speakers' minds or a combo of both. It's just a cool way to facilitate the whole conversation. Say what your word is and I'll say what my word was. Is it going to be the same word? Oh, I don't know. But I... I've switched words <laughs> several times. Honestly, so right now, like um, I really do. I was like, I told everyone you have to pick one. And I honestly have. Well, that was me when I did Trek and you have to walk for a person. You changed I, every oh, day. Oh my gosh. I had so many names <laughs> written on my bracelet. I kept changing who I wanted to walk for. I couldn't okay. What's pick one What's the person. word of today? I, I think it would be um, oneness, like unity. Oh, I love that one. Okay. And mine felt like prepare. In oh, every like wait, area. That's so funny because I put that on my Instagram and that was the number two picked word was prepare. And mm. I would never, ever have picked that word. Really? Yes. But, and in my institute classes, <laughs> everybody. I'm so glad you have Jenny. Yeah. Just <laughs> Everybody right now. said that also. And I was like, y'all, I never, ever would have picked that word. <laughs> I was like, I, people kept saying. Somebody say, get food storage for him. People kept saying. Anyone. People, anybody who wants People kept to. saying it. And I was like. Why are you picking that word? <laughs> like everybody was. And I was like, I heard nothing about that. I heard like hope, love, <laughs> oneness, you, you, oneness, unity. You know? okay, I did. This good. is my best. Jenny, please bless <laughs> you heard about prepare. <laughs> I do have to tell you this. Um, who was it that spoke? We did the candy thing. Remember where you pick a word? Yeah. And if they say that word, you can pick a candy out. One of the ones they picked was close quote, <laughs> <laughs> which was awesome. But then. Um, one of them was, one was God and one was Jesus. And it was so awesome because those ran out first. And I was so happy that they ran out. Yes. You know? Yes. And at the end of one of the talks, Elle goes, man, that is a Jesus lady. Because she said it so many <laughs> times. So cute. And I was like, oh, that would be such a good compliment for Jesus her. Lady. Exactly. That's so good. All right. We got to talk about the newsletter. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just about to. I was getting like amped up to say that (laughs) the newsletter that came out today october 12th we promised you would announce and have some links for some really rad things so they're so fun you go check it they're really exciting (laughs) and we thought it'd be so fun to surprise our newsletter family first so you get the first surprise 
And then in a week. Yeah. So it'll next be Christmas week. Christmas for everybody. Next week, week, October 19th, we will have the still in the newsletter, the links and everything, but we'll announce on here all the really rad, fun stuff that we've hidden. We've kept, we've known for so long and we thought we can't tell you yet because it's so fun. Yeah, it, it's too early. It's going to make the yeah. Doctrine and Covenants so fun. You can't wait. Yeah. I'm, I'm like done with the Book of Mormon in my mind right now. I'm like, <laughs> let's be, be finished because I have really fun stuff coming. So, just check us, check it out next week, and then make sure you see the newsletter if you Today. get a newsletter for today's one. All right, y'all, 3 Nephi 27 through 4 Nephi. What a rad section of scripture um, because it's neat because over, is this is the end of Jesus' personal ministry among the people, and you see just the impact of his presence uh, among them. And then even when he's gone, which he leaves during this part, you still see that residual impact of almost like he never left, that he was, that he's still among them. And it's neat because we anticipate a day when Jesus will come again, but we can also experience him and the impact of his presence right now, even, you know, with him not you know, physically among us. Yeah, it's so interesting because we watch from that moment when he comes to the temple and all of the growth that happens with these people during the time while he's there and this like transformation through Christ or through grace that happens as they're lifted up and they learn to draw near to him. And that happens because we um, talked about through experience and through relationship with Christ. And it's interesting because while he's there, everybody feels that. But in a generation, it's, it's not going to be that way, right? In four generations from here, people are going to start falling away. And it's interesting to me that um, I think the key is that personal experience and the relationship can continue even when he's not there. And for some of these people, it does. And it'll be interesting to watch that as and, we go through. Yeah, and to even see like what severs that relationship almost as a warning. Like here are the things that actually kind of seem to like dampen that relationship mm -hmm. and that connection with him. But then we also get to see a list of like, oh, here are the things that actually kept Jesus alive and well among mm -hmm. them. You know, like yeah. what were they And then they doing? became Jesus people. Yeah. Like that lady. Like that lady. That um, so okay. Happy. We'll step out of the way so you can see oh, this board idea. before we jump in. I'm going to move that microphone a little closer. Okay. Oh, you see it? Yay. Okay. Screen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, this is so fun. It starts off and everybody is gathered together and they are And you love praying. this part. Let's just talk about that part because yeah. it's so good. Um, you love that these words at the bottom of one, they were gathered together, they were united, and then in mighty prayer and fasting. And I just love for a ward community, for a, a state community, but even for like a little family when you have questions, that's such a great way to prepare to have a personal experience with the Savior. You love that they gathered together, they were united in mighty prayer and in fasting, and then we're gonna watch. It's, it's just gonna open up the door for Jesus to enter in, and he's gonna ask a question. Yeah, and I think it's it's neat to even think about, um, like today in Institute, we were starting with a prayer all together, and it's so funny that, you know, we pray as a family, you know, before we all go to bed, and. And and, we, and I pray in those institute classes and stuff like that. But it's I, it's so good for me. I just had this thought today to just to stop and remember his promise that when two or three are gathered mm -hmm. together 
in my name, there I will be also. And so good. I, we just, you just get so used to saying prayers that you forget about what a sweet invitation that is to bring, you know. To bring him. him. And you love because verse 2 starts out just like that. And Jesus, again, showed himself unto them for they were praying. Yeah. I, I just love that, that if you want him to reveal himself in your story, one of the best invitations is to pray. And it's cool because it's a prayer about an, a kind of a argument that they're yeah. having yeah. <laughs> um, and a question that they have. And it's neat to believe in a God. <laughs> neat. Um, it's like, <laughs> it's like well, we need a better word. Um, it is really sweet to believe in a God that you can engage in questions and concerns with. That he doesn't like, um, that you, I, yeah, I can't believe Yeah, he doesn't have time for that. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, great. If you have a problem with this or you wonder about this, let's engage with each other. Let's work so through good. this. Their question is, what should we call the name of the church? Which is such a, I want to know what the argument was. I know, before. but why? Like, why do you want to know? Because meanwhile, we have the same argument going on today. No, it's like an ongoing argument. argument. I love when it says this. There are disputations among the people concerning this matter. When I read it, I was like, remember when President Nelson was like, you need to call the church by its full name. And how many people were like, you just, you, you feel that same conversation brewing in 2020 that was brewing in AD 34 through 35. Do they have a nickname that was easier or something? Maybe. Because that was, oh, but what did we say we want to call ourselves now? Latter-day Israel. Yes. Remember when President, I almost called him Hinckley. <laughs> he loves President Hinckley though. When President Nelson said members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Latter-day Israel. He either said it or my mind heard it. I so know. don't fact check me. But, but that's you do. What my... That's what you want to call us. Latter-day Israel. Yeah. So they're wondering about this. And then he teaches them a really, really powerful lesson. He doesn't just say like, oh, duh, this is the name. <laughs> but rather he just, he says, well, let's think about this. Um, what's in a name? Why would we call it a, a certain name? Um, and then goes through that reasoning with them. And he says, I want you to call this church after my name because I want you to live as if you've taken upon my name. And I want you to, to do all things in remembrance of my name, in representation of, you know, my name is like my power and what I represent and what my mission is and what, yeah. like, I, I want you to be identified as that because I want you to live out your lives like, like that. that. So it's just this teaching moment where it's not like, this is, will look really good on the plaque. But rather, like, I want it this to be a consistent a reminder. Mm -hmm. And you love that it comes back up in the Doctrine and Covenants. And oh, it came yeah. back up in General Conference, you know, a year ago or whatever it was. It's interesting that it really is important to him. Like, important enough to be mentioned in Scripture written down. And I love when he says, um, the reason why is because the church is built upon my gospel. That's why. And so when you call the name of the church, people should know it's built upon my gospel. And then I love what it does next. In verse 13 and in verse 21, you have these two bookends that are so awesome. He starts out and says, behold, I have given unto you my gospel and this is the gospel. And then he's going to go through here and tell you, he just defines the gospel so beautifully. And then he gets to the end, verse 21 and says, verily, verily, I say unto you, this is my gospel. So let's talk for just a minute about what is it? What does he say 
his gospel is. Yeah, and I think it's one of the best definitions that you find in scripture for it. Um, in Doctrine and Covenants, also you get a really good one, but I love it's this simply at, at the begin end of 13. I came to the world to do the will of my father because my father sent me. So right at the beginning, he says, you ought to know that my gospel is our gospel. Like mm -hmm. I came as a representative of him for this purpose. And it's this, my father sent me for this purpose that I might be lifted up upon the cross. And by being lifted up upon the cross, I would be able then to lift up all of the human family to the father. Like I came to enable everyone to rescue the whole family to be lifted up. That, that was the will of the father is to save the whole human family. And he sent me to do it. That is my, that's my gospel. And I love, as you think about that, to think when we bring others to Christ, it's so they will be lifted. Like it's that simple um, that they would be lifted up. I love when you and, look and in. And let me just throw this on because let's start thinking of this as you're saying that, that he says, my church or my community of saints, or I love in the New Testament is defined as the movement of Jesus, right? Is to lift others. It's supposed to be built on my gospel. So everything that the church is doing is meant to fulfill this purpose. All of its programs and purposes mm. and, and intentions is built on the purpose of we are we are a, res a rescuing yeah. purpose, a lifting Well, and purpose. I love that he says the words that you see repeated over and over in 14 are to lift up and to draw unto me. And I love that that's the gospel. It's to lift up and then it's to draw people to him. And as we think about those words, what are we doing within our faith community that actually is doing that? How are we lifting through Christ and through his teachings? And then how are we drawing people to him? And is that a conscious choice for us as we think about, um, you know, as we teach Jesus Christ in everything that we're doing and it's neat that he says, like, I will almost like when he is lifted up, um, what happens is this personification of love, a picture of love is lifted and people are like drawn mm. to that love. And so it's neat to think, what am I doing to show the love of Jesus? That that is what is going to, the yeah, sacrificial love, love is what's going to draw people. And am I lifting that up? Is that the banner of of our faith yeah you know yep and you love in your square in your box you might want to write that lifted um draw unto me i love in verse um 16 where it says whoso repenteth and is baptized in my name shall be filled I actually circled that word filled because who doesn't want to be filled like mm -hmm. empty hurts it aches it it's uncomfortable right and i think we all long for that just to be filled and that that's what he wants to do lift um, draw, fill, um, and I love what it says this, um, if he endures to the end, behold him will I hold guiltless before my father. And I love the thought of this endure. Someone taught me once that if you break up those words, N, E-N means within, and then der um, comes from the root word D-E-R-U, which means firm, solid, or steadfast. So the two together, endure means you are firm, solid, and steadfast within. Hmm. Don't you love that? That that's what endure means is that you would be just solid within. You would be steadfast within. So once you've been lifted and drawn and filled, then 
um, the, the next step is just stay steadfast now. Within. Yeah, and we added this that is not in this chapter, but you find in the Doctrine and Covenants and other places back in Helaman 5.12 that he says, and this is all built upon the rock, which is neat to think like, how will I find that steadiness and that strength within? It's like on his consistency, on yeah. his like goodness, which is neat. I also love in 19, I love this thought. I used to think this was a threat <laughs> until I learned who Jesus really was. And no unclean thing can enter into his kingdom. Therefore, nothing entereth into his rest, save it be those who have washed their garments in my blood. And I just love the thought that only those who have been washed, you know, will enter. Meaning no flawless people will be there. Only those who have been washed clean are, mm. are going to be there. Yes. You know, and it's neat to think like all of you will have to be and can be and invited to be washed. And it's so interesting too when you think about that because in the book of Revelation, we heard this in conference, um, that phrase kind of talks about, it's going to tell us, it's um, it will be those who have washed their garments in my blood. And in Revelation, it tells us their garments were white. Do you remember when they talked about this in conference? because they had been washed in blood, which in your mind, you're like, how does that work? And it made me think, um, I was visiting Garrett a couple of weeks ago and he had this shirt that is one of his favorite shirts that had this big stain on it and it's white. And my first thought was, who even buys white shirts? Because <laughs> you could wear them like once, that's what happens. And like Garrett shouldn't buy white shirts, but it's his favorite color of shirt is white. And he was debating if he had to throw it away. And I was like, well, let me just take it home and work on it. And seriously, it took me a week to get it clean. Again, I did everything in the world. I, I tried all the things and they did eventually work. All the things worked, but it was a lot of work to make that fabric white again. And when you read about that, their garments will be washed and they will be white because of the blood of the lamb. I just think... You know, most people would have thrown that shirt in the garbage. They just would have. But because it was his favorite, I was like, okay, but I'll take a couple days and see what I can do. And do you love that that's, that's him too? That he's like, you look at yourself and you think, this will never be white. This part of me, it just won't. And um, But he looks at it and says, because it's important to you, it's important to me, and, and I'll work on Just let me work on it. Just let me take some days and get it figured out. And mm. I just love the thought of that time that he invests in us to allow us to become white. Yeah, being stained is an invitation to like enter into that personal, yeah, those personal experiences. And be immersed in him. It's like, it's not like a, being stained is not a reason to hide. You know, it's a, it's an opportunity now you know, to let him do what he came to do. Yeah. He's like, this is what I came to do. I don't, I can't lift someone unless they're down. Yes. Like, that was my job was to lift. So I anticipate and expect that you will be, that you'll be down. And I, we saw this in Alma, what a shocking imagery that is, that you don't dip white shirts in blood yeah. to make them clean. And, and I think that Jesus being able to make someone whole and clean is, is a shocking thought. Yes. It's like, I never thought that would work. You know, if you yeah. did, you, you would, well, you and think, especially and when it it's does. your mess and you've lived with it for so long. And I love that, um, this is what is going to be bookended by this is my gospel mm -hmm. is he's, he's like, bring me your dirty things and right. Bring me your hard places. Bring me the places where you feel empty because I came to lift 
and to draw and to fill and to strengthen and to make clean. That's that's my gospel. Yeah. That's what I came to do. And who doesn't want to be part of that gospel? Yeah, and then an invitation that, that then just comes at the 21 and then again in 27, but he's talking to his disciples and he says, now you know, 21, he's like, that's my gospel. So now you know what you should be doing in my church. Now you know what the church is set up and, and organized to do is everything that we just talked about. And don't you kind of want to look at your life, like your recent life and think, where have I done one of those things lately? Like, how am I doing at living his gospel? Yeah. So how, what, how am I doing in showing his loving, sacrificial character and his devotion to us? How am I yeah. doing and in, in inviting and introducing people to him? How am I doing in lifting and 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 encouraging people and telling them like, no, he can do the impossible mm-hmm. with you. Yes. Like, I, I, we won't give up on you, yep. you know? Um when everybody is all like, when he's talking about how to be then his disciples, he just gives a really, really simple explanation for that in 2727, which is, so what sort of people should you be? Once I leave, um, let me just remind you to be people like me, even as I am. And we left a box on the study guide sheet for you to be able to just answer and think and and it was really fun for me this week filling that in to just like if someone gave me the fill in the blank jesus is dot 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 like what what words would you put in there be even as i am well what's he like you know and and fill that in and i love that as he's talking to these people there's such an interesting thing that happens right here because he says to them first of all He just looks out at all of them and says, my joy is great, even unto fullness because of you. Don't you want him to say that to you Mm. one time and just be like, oh, I'm so happy because of you. And, And even the father rejoices and also all the holy angels. And this is the reason why, because from this generation right here, not one will be lost, which is remarkable right? In the history of the world, and Elder Christofferson's going to talk about this in a minute, um, we'll look at it, but that there's there's just the two um, populations that that happens to, the people of Enoch, and then right here, for some reason, those two societies figured it out. And then it's so interesting because right after that, in verse 31, he says, I want you to understand something, because this is what I'm talking about, the people who are alive right now, of this generation, none of them are going to be lost. But then he says this, it makes me sad because the fourth generation from this generation are going to be led captive because they're going to sell me for silver and gold and that which moth doth corrupt and that thieves can break through and steal. And it's so interesting to me that he like flat out tells them, it's not going to stay like this forever. Like there's going to be people who leave. He, it's not a secret. He, it, it's like, let me tell you what's going to happen. And I don't know why, but for me, it makes me want to be like, okay, I'm going to set a Double goal down. right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> None that from this generation to this, to this, to this, we are going to tell each other. He said people were going to leave and let's not be those people. But it's so interesting to me because Um, we read in the scriptures, both in Matthew and in Revelation, it tells us he, he did the same thing, talking about us, talking about our generation, that there are going to be people in the last days 
who leave. Um, even the very elect, he says, will be deceived. And I have that same thought. We need to double down right now. We need to realize he gave a word of caution here in the Book of Mormon and it happened. We are going to watch it happen, which makes me think, <coughs> cool. bless you. Thank you. The same is true um, for our time, for our day when he says people are going to fall away that you just want to be like, everybody, listen, watch what happened here and then watch what's happening now. And, and it is that time of doubling down. It's that time of choosing to endure, to remain firm within. And how do we do that? Well, and I just think this is, this is a, a thought I have for my very first time. And it's interesting that you were saying this because it reminded me of it. But in 32, I think it's interesting. It says, for they sell me mm. for silver and gold. It says, it's not they walk away from an organization, you know. And I think he's pointing them to a, to a, a key part of this, which is, don't, let's keep our relationship, you know. Don't sell me. Like, make sure you're connected um, to me. Because even in 33, I, this is, and this is what I was going to say, I never thought of before, where he says, straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Mm -hmm. And few be there that find it. And I was like, oh, do you know what's so interesting? Like, about that narrow gate is it goes through one person. That's why it's narrow. Because it's actually a one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. relationship. That's so neat. You know, and it's neat to me to think about, it's, oh, I go... It's one-on-one -on -one with him. That's yeah. what happens. And you love the thought of that word few. Like it, you almost want to put that on a bracelet that you just wear all the time. One of the few. Um, because that's what it's going to be in the end. And it, it reminds me of the scripture in the Old Testament when he says to Israel, I didn't choose you because you were the most. I chose you because you were the least. And the thought of... Him looking and saying, I know there's just going to be a few that are willing to stay faithful to the end, that are going to endure, that are going to stay firm within. But I want to be one of the few. You know, I, I want to like think about it, commit to it, and move forward with that in mind. Yeah, and part of being one of the few, interestingly, is he says, my intention is to draw all men. Like, you just... Yeah. All people are invited. Yeah, in. he'll take as many. Right. Everyone's invited. There's a seat at the table for everyone. The sad part isn't who he's going to let in. The sad part is that we would actually choose not, not to. to walk past him in that one-on-one -on -one experience. Yeah. Um, we want to get to fourth Nephi, but there's just a couple things we should grab on our way. Oh, in 28, to, as we go through. Yeah, yeah one of them is um, when he talks with his disciples about now who will. You will be in charge of, you know, moving this movement forward. We just love in verse one that he asks the question, what is it that you desire of me? Um, and what would be your answer to that question? Yes, I love the thought of, don't you just want to have a personal prayer and think if he were to say to you, what, what is it that you desire of me? What, what would you lay out? In yeah. that it's, and, and these particular disciples, they re react in verse 5 by you know being a little sad or sheepish in their hearts because they're like, we don't know if we're supposed to want that or not or, or whatever. And I just love that realness with them where they're just like, you know, he's just like, well, let's, what do you want? Yes. You know, and, and, and these people wanted one. Yeah, because 9 want one yeah. and 3, and this is where the, th the three Nephites come from. Because 9 are like, when we reach the age of... 70 or whatever when we're done with our work we just we just want to come back to where you are 
But then there's three of them who that's not their choice. And it's still a good choice. I love that both choices were right yeah. and good. And I love the lesson we learn in that, that if, if Christ were to come and ask, what do you desire right now? What do you and what do I? We might all three have different things and they would all be as important to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see a lot in there, and there, the rest of that chapter is an explanation of the three Nephites, which is just kind of fun to look through and see about, you know, what their mission and ministry um, would be, and we'll meet them um, again in a little bit. Um, 29 is just another um, kind of a recap of what we looked at last time where the Lord says, when these words come forth, um, that will be a sign unto you that these are the these are the ending days, the, the gathering scene. Um, that great movement that's going to, that one last time to yep. draw all men. And we will, as we go from now until general conference next time, try and point out to you the promises given to covenant Israel. This is one section where you are going to find those promises. I love when he says that they may know that the covenant which the father hath made with the children of Israel concerning their restoration to the lands of their inheritance is already beginning to be fulfilled. And then I love when he says it, um, you need not say that the Lord delays his coming unto the children of Israel in two. And then in three, you, ne- you need not imagine in your hearts that the words which have been spoken are in vain. For behold, the Lord will remember his covenant, which he hath made unto his people of the house of Israel. And I love that as you think about the promises, like what stands out to you about the promises? I love the word restoration. Um, I love the promise that he really is going to come again. Those are promises given to covenant Israel. Is there anything else you want yeah, to add? Yeah, and just kind of speaking on those covenants, the promises to Israel, verse six and seven are written in opposite, where he just says, Oh, woe unto, or, or rather like, Oh, how sad that mm-hmm. there will be people who say the revelations are no longer, prophecies no longer, gifts are no longer, healings no longer. And there is no more miracle wrought by Jesus Christ. He says, there will be some who will live thinking that, but you should know the promise to Israel is that you will live with revelation. You Mm -hmm. will live with gifts. You will live with healing. And and you will live with miracles wrought by Jesus still. That like you, you will live earth accompanied by those promises. Yep. So this is a great one. If you're making and keeping a list, this is a great one to add to that list. Then 30 is just like this last, like, oh, we just, can we recap? <laughs> just yes. like, yes. and say this and you is love what and 30 by 30 I'm going to move. You can stay and I'm going to move because we're going to, you're going to watch these words come here from verse two. Is that, does it start? In verse uh, it starts in one. Hearken yeah. is in verse yeah. one, right? Where he just says, and so here's the, here's the plea. Hearken all you who get these words eventually. Anybody who gets their hands on this book, Will you hearken and hear the words of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God? And he says, then in starting verse two, you find these words, turn to him. And that's kind of a neat thought, especially with what we were talking mm-hmm. about where he says, turn and look. That's what you would turn, you know, if, yeah. if someone were like telling you to turn you and, and like your eyes were closed and they're, okay, turn around. Like, you know, a surprise is there, <laughs> something good, right? Yes. So get your eyes off that. And look at this personification of love. Yeah. Right? And then... You're going to repent. Which is a synonym with this. Yeah. But in this verse, it's particular. I mean, he says, he lists a whole bunch of things that he says, you should unload those from your life. 
Sometimes the word repent means make room for something better. Like these are crowding your life right now. So dump them yep. so you can make room for something more. And it's almost more. that turning away from this. this so you can see that, which yeah. I love. Um, then he's going to tell them, come unto me and be baptized so you can receive a remission of your sins. Um, and we love that thought that it's a come and receive. It's yeah. not just a come, but it's a come and receive. And then I Because you've love... got room for it now. You yes. have room to receive Yep. And he tells you, all that empty space, I'm about to fill it, right? And be filled, he tells them. And then I love the last line, that ye may be numbered. Because I love just that call, and it's constant. That's another promise to covenant Israel, is that he will number us. Remember, there's a whole book in the Bible called Numbers. Because he, he wants to number everyone. He wants to count all of us in, right? He's going to gather every single one of us. And I love that thought of that numbering, almost as if he's like, who's who's missing? And yeah. when we would go on big family trips with our family, we would assign everyone a number. And when you would get in the big van, we would just quickly count off. Everybody go through. And you could hear if a number was missing. And I almost feel like it's that same. Um, we're numbered like that, that he knows when someone's missing and what he wants is all the numbers, everybody gathered in. Yeah, because if you have a number, it means you're included, right? And it means that you won't be forgotten. So all the promises of Israel are, you're, I mean, you're part of it. You're part of that numbered group. Yep. Um, I love, as we get into fourth Nephi, and we heard about this in conference, and we just quickly want to um, remind you about some of these things because it's such a great lead into fourth Nephi. Elder Christopherson talked about um, that there was people in the Western Hemisphere known as the Nephites and the Lamanites. And following the resurrection um, and during the Savior's ministry, they did walk after the commandments which they had received from the Lord their God. And there were no envyings and no strifes, nor tumults or whoredoms or lyings or murders. Um, that, and I, this line is so good. Surely there could not be a happier people among all the people who had been created by the hand of God. And Elder Christopherson was talking about this group and then the people of Enoch. And he talked about they were sustained by the blessings of heaven. And it came because they followed so well two great commandments, to love God and to love people. And it's because they were obedient to God in their personal lives. And then they looked after each other that these, um, these societies were created, which is so interesting. And then um, we're going to read and see in a minute that unfortunately the ideal society, it didn't hold because they stopped doing those things that allowed them that personal relationship with Christ. And um, there was this one part that I wanted to, okay, right here. He says, a thriving society can fail in time if it abandons the cardinal virtues that uphold its peace and prosperity. In this case, yielding to the temptations of the devil the people began to be divided into classes and they began to build up churches unto themselves to get gain and they began to deny the true church of Christ. It's so interesting how quickly that is going to happen. They come from this, there never was a happier time to this place of great division in society. 
And as we go through 4th Nephi, that's what we want to be watching. We want to be watching for what was the church of Jesus Christ? Who were the people living the gospel of Jesus Christ? As opposed to the people who not just walked away from that, but we're going to see actually defied what they had been taught. Yeah, so we have a, a, there's a list on that study guide sheet and you can kind of just list this out and to see, okay, what does heaven look like then? Like mm-hmm. how, like what were they doing to make sure that Jesus remained among them, even though he was physically departed? And you start right at the very beginning um, in verse one, even um, with, with them, like a, a consistent repentance. Like did they're just consistently mm-hmm. turning and, and checking in and just looking to him. Then you see the way that they deal with their disputations in verse 2, right? Um, every man to deal justly one with another, that they just worked through it with each other. Three, everything was in common among them, meaning there was no rich and no poor. They were of one heart and one mind is the Zion phrase that's used, you know, in the book of Moses. And all partaking of that heavenly gift, which is such a, mm. a, a sweet phrase. You love that there were um, miracles yeah. in verse five that were happening, um, healings and, and other. That just means that Jesus was among them, right? That means that they were gathering two or three together in His name, and they were inviting Him to be a part of their everything. families and everything yeah. that they were doing. You know, um, they build. They start like they're you know instead of being people who are dividing and tearing down. In verse six, you see a people who are coming together with common causes and, and they're building and um, just um, what else? What the- well, here's one thing that I think is so interesting and worth noting and pulling out that you're going to read in verse two and there were no contentions and disputations among them. Then you're going to read it again in verse 13. And it came to pass that there was no contention among all the people in the land. And then in verse 15, and it came to pass there was no contention in the land because of the love of God, which did dwell in the hearts of the people. Which seems to be the key verse. Right, because it's, why did they repeat it three times? Like you told us that already in verse two. Why did you want to tell us all the way through there? He's like, oh, and, and let me just remind you, there was no contention. There's something about contention that disrupts the ability of the Lord to work in a group of people. I think that's true. And do you remember when he, I mean, that's the opposite. I mean, it's the opposite of when two or three are gathered mm-hmm. together in my name, even if it's to deal with a with a disputation, right? Remember what yeah. brought those people together at the beginning chapter was, was their disagreement, unity. but we're united yeah. on figuring this out together. And don't you remember so in 11 when, we, when he came in 11, he says, this is not my gospel. Remember yes. when he says, what is not my gospel is your contention and your divisions with each other. It's so interesting how he's elevating that principle. And I feel like we need to speak to it that we actually live in a time where there is more division and contention than I remember in my lifetime right now. And it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's not, not just outside the church. I feel it in the church. I feel it in my own community. And, and maybe we feel it, some of us in our families even, that it's interesting how Satan is just coming into those spaces. And it makes me think to myself, if it is important enough to be written three times and hear no contention, what can I do personally to make sure I am not breeding contention anywhere in any of the places that I enter into? How, how do I bring peace? 
into those situations? And how do I bring Christ into those situations? It's interesting because he's going to repeat again, there could never have been a happier time, a happier people. And in verse 18, how blessed were they? Exclamation mark. I love it when there's exclamation marks in the scriptures. For the Lord did bless them in all their doings. And again in 17, that one more where they were one. And how were they one? Well, they all saw themselves as children of Christ and yes. heirs to the kingdom. Oh. Like I, that, When that I looked at you, that's be, how I saw you. Yeah, you know? and that has to be something we actually choose in our society because it is not what is coming easily for people. Um, it's so interesting because right after this is when we're going to see that flip side of um, what heaven is not. And it's interesting in 20 when you read that it wasn't just people left the church. I love how he uses this word. They revolted from the church. Like it, it wasn't just a quiet walking away. It was a revolting from the church. And maybe this is interesting that remember we said like the church is organized to do this. So it was a revolt against doing this. It was yes. a revolt against drawing on men. It was revolting against lifting, lifting others up and filling and, and like that's interesting. It wasn't a revolt against Sunday school. Yeah. It was the this the movement and the mission and the ministry of Jesus. That's what yeah. it was a revolt against. And you're gonna see a lot of things. I'm gonna pull out just a couple that are standouts for me. Um, in 24, there began to be among them those who were lifted up in pride, um, and it had to do with what they were wearing and the fine things and the goods. They were divided into classes. Um, the next thing is that Satan started to get a hold of their hearts. And right after that, the people started to harden their hearts, which is interesting because that is a sign of the times in the last days is that men's hearts would wax cold, right? They just become hard. We lose that ability to love well. And, um, oh, it's so interesting too, because in verse 35, it tells us that it came to pass in this year, yea, in the 231st year, and just a few verses in front of that, we were in the 201st year. So in 30 years, that's how fast the decline comes. Like it, it goes so fast. Once it starts, it's it's not slow. That revolt is fast. Um, I think this one's so interesting in 38. They did teach their children that they should not believe. Which again, it's it's like that revolted word. They didn't just walk away and got busy doing other things on Sunday or at the times when they would worship. They actually invested in teaching their children not to believe. And in, th in 39, that they taught them to hate. Yes. That is so interesting as an opposite, right? They not To not believe in that unity message of Jesus and to hate. Um, and then it Who tells wants us... that to be your family yeah, no evening one. lesson? Today, we're going to learn how to hate people. <laughs> and then they began to build up again the secret oaths and the combination of Gadianton. And then mm, that becomes the fall, which we will look at next week as we go through the Book of Mormon. And we kind of watch what happens there, which there will be a lot of parallels for us in our time and in our day and what to be watching for. But it's so interesting to think of this lesson compared with there were four different talks in General Conference. Did you notice that? That called out the city of Enoch. Unity. Yes. See, I heard, <laughs> you I heard did. it. You did good on that one. <laughs> and if I immediately Sunday night just read the whole um, Moses. Seven. I think it's, is it six and seven or seven and eight? 
there's six two, and six and seven. Um, went through and just read because I was like, what is the lesson we need to know right now? Why would four different people have felt impressed to bring up that lesson? And then this fourth Nephi, that there's something there that is worth us actually taking the time to study and think about and work through. Yeah, and I just think maybe as a, a, a last thought, that difference between the love of God filling all of those people's hearts and then comparing it with that verse that says, and Satan got a hold of their heart. Mm. And I can't help but think about um, President Nelson's message on Sunday morning to say, let God prevail in your heart. Let him rule and reign mm. there. You know, Jesus says back in 3 Nephi 27, 15, this is the reason I was lifted up to draw all men unto me. I died to unite and save the whole family for you all to be one. That's the whole reason that I did that. Like let that take, let that prevail. Mm -hmm. Let that rule and reign. So good. Yeah. It's a great lesson on um, where are you going to give your heart and who are you going to look to? And I love the thought of that. Just that letting him lift, letting him draw you in, letting him fill you and then sending that out in the world. Yeah. So good. Okay, Okay, we'll see you next week. Okay, can't wait. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.